You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You are inside QB Factory, where our magical development dust make dreams come true. This is Michael Kist, your host. This is all brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Joining me, as always, quarterback one in our hearts and our minds. Here to talk about quarterbacks around the world, he is Mark Schofield. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Also follow his work at Touchdown Wire, Pat's Pulpit, Big Blue View, Matt Waldman's RSPs. Guy's got a thousand jobs and there's a reason for it. He's fantastic at his job. So we're going to break down some QB performances this week. Mark, first, brother, how are you doing? It's been a fun morning here, my friend. The (laughs) distance learning has been a, a challenge today. The two little cats are knocking puzzles all over the place, but we have football to talk about, which is which is good. But we begin with our our historical reference, and it was prompted by one of the dear listeners, a gentle listener, CJ, who tweeted at you and I that we need a Vatican choosing a new pope smoke from the chimney historical comp stat. And I believe it's a reference to the fact that you, me, And the rest of football Twitter has spent arguably the past 96 hours losing our collective minds at the fact that the NFL was slow to release the All-22 so you and I and everybody else could do our jobs. And refreshing, hitting F5, pounding the keyboard, it finally worked because we actually got some film to talk about. But I do have to talk about Pope stuff now. And as luck would have it, I am still reading (laughs) this book. The Popes by John Julius Norwich, which the gentle listeners probably know, I've been talking about for, I think, three seasons now? Yeah. It's at least two. It's a tough. I mean, <laughs> I'm working my way through this, friends. And, you know, CJ references, and you can follow CJ on Twitter at CJ83134755. He is obviously not a Russian bot or anything like that. <laughs> but he references the fact that when the papal conclave comes together, they use smoke to let the world know whether they have chosen a new pope or not. Black smoke, no pope. White smoke, pope. (laughs) Now, why do they do that? It dates back to 1271 because in November of 1268, Pope Clement died at Viterbo in Italy. And now back then, rather than doing it at the Vatican, the papal conclave would actually happen where the last pope died. So they all go to Italy and they start trying to elect a new pope. And it went on for three years. Uh. They couldn't pick a new pope. It got to the point that the vacancy ended only when the authorities at Viterbor, where the conclave was being held, actually removed the roof of the palace where the cardinals were meeting and deliberated. The public had lost their minds. They had had enough. They were like, we need a new pope. And so they changed the rules. That's when they started doing the whole white smoke thing. It's a whole chemical complex that I'm an idiot. I, I didn't pay attention in biology and chemistry class in, call, in high school. So I don't know how they do it. You can find out on Twitter, I'm sure. But that's what it dates to. The whole white smoke, black smoke. 
back to 1271 when they met for three years and couldn't pick a pope. Did you see the movie, The Popes? I did. With Anthony Hopkins? Solid yeah. flick. Yeah. Solid flick. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. Sir Anthony Hopkins. Fantastic actor. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wanted to release Poison into the air uh, after after a while. Yeah. Like all 22 not being released. <laughs> we were all just literally losing our minds. I, it was to the point where I was going to start I, – I almost did it last night. I was going to grab some clips of Army-Navy from 1943 and just dump them breakdown style on the timeline because I was just I was just losing my mind. <laughs> well, we finally got it and we finally got to watch some, some late night film to prep for this show. And we spent last show talking about the inaccuracies of Washington football team quarterback Dwayne Haskins. And we weren't wrong to do so. No. Uh, he had a lot of the same mechanical issues that he had as a rookie and landed on the bottom of just about every advanced accuracy metric that you'll find. But right in that same ballpark was Carson Wentz. And look, mm-hmm. we've covered this on multiple shows by now on this feed. I am not trying to beat a dead horse, but this is what we do on the QB Factory during the season every week. That's why Mark Schofield is here, to give us an outside perspective from somebody who knows the position better than any of us here do in our weekly Carson Wentz performance review. So we're going to have to do it. And we'll get into some Jared Goff later as part of our weekly preview. But Mark, this one, and I know you're a Wentz guy, it had to hurt your soul to see the collapse in this one, especially after the wonderful start for the first 25 minutes. Yeah. I mean, look, this game was a bit of a roller coaster. I do think that for those of us that are believers in Carson Wentz, you can point to the first half. You can point to even a couple of moments in the second half where this is the guy you were hoping for. But unfortunately, with the collapse that they had, it brought to light, I think, three issues with this offense as a whole. It's not just specifically Carson Wentz. But there are three issues that watching this game live, re-watching the broadcast, finally seeing the All-22, that we have to concern ourselves with. First is... And they all relate to the idea of protecting Carson Wentz. First is the mental mistakes. There were some mental mistakes in this game from a protection standpoint that are a problem. And um, these are in sort of increasing difficulty to fix, okay? So first are the mental mistakes. Then there are some physical mistakes. And look, some guys get beaten in one-on-one situations. And that's going to happen. The other guys are good too. Uh, And part of it is due to the fact that a guy like Jack Driscoll you didn't expect him to be your starting right tackle week one of the 2020 season, but because of injuries, he was. And so when he gets beat up by Matt Ioannidis on a play where Carson Wentz has Deshaun Jackson open on a crossing route, but he can't get it there because he's under duress, that's an issue. But the third is something that you and I have talked about, that you and Ben have talked about, that Ben has written eloquently about, and it's Carson Wentz, the person, okay? Yeah. His willingness to fight to the end of every play is a good thing and a bad thing. It's good when he can make a play like he did to open 2017 against the same Washington football team when he escapes and finds Nelson Aguilar for a touchdown that I think for Eagles fans when they saw that, they thought this could be a special year. They were right. Mm. But it also leads to a missed opportunity on a third and seven at 629 in the third quarter when you've got a 12 personnel, three by one, why ISO to the left? You hang on the corner route from the tight end on the backside too long. You start to get flushed. You can throw it away at that moment mm. and kick a reasonably easy field goal. But instead, he fights too long. He takes a sack. And what happens? The ensuing field goal comes up a couple of yards short. That's a problem. 
Yeah. It's also a problem that shows up. And yes, you're down at this point, so you kind of expect the guy to make the play. But first and 10, 325, fourth quarter, fights too long in the pocket, tries to make something happen, gets strip sacked, fumbled, and the game is effectively over. That's the duality of Carson Wentz that we have been covering, watching, living, experiencing for the past couple of seasons now. Yep. And it's safe to assume by this point, it's not going to change. This is who he is as a quarterback. And so you have to take the good with the bad and accept that for every great play he can create, there are going to be moments like this and situations like this and sometimes results like this as a result of who he is. Yeah. And I think when you talk about like the overall talking point of like, you know, Carson Wentz you know, needs to get rid of the ball quicker. And yeah, that's that's I, I think that's been a really overblown narrative to this point. In this game, it's amplified because he is under tremendous pressure and right. just doesn't throw it away. He doesn't yep. have the, the two-handed monster, right? The thing that yep. John Gruden was preaching to him in the, in the, in the QB camp. He isn't doing that. He's trying to extend too much. In this game, I absolutely think that that was the case. So yeah, he has that issue. I mean, it's jacked up to a hundred when he, you know, when he's got the Washington defensive line just bearing down on him. Right. On every play. So like you said, there's plenty of blame to go around. Yeah, there is. And and I think it's fair. And this happens so often in this business where you get a result like this, right? We all thought Philadelphia, them and Dallas, two best teams in the East by far. Washington's a couple of years away perhaps. New York's a couple of years away perhaps. But then we get this result and we immediately jump to, man, maybe Philly's not as good as we thought. That's a very good defensive front. You're talking about five former first-round picks, and perhaps one of their best pass rushers, Matt Ioannidis, was a fifth-rounder. So yep. you've got six studs up front to deal with. When you've got eight sacks, sometimes they're just good. Yep. Chase Young is good. And then there are the, like, the mental mistakes that I think can get sorted out. You know, one of the first sacks in the game, first and 10, 635 of the first quarter, it's a jet protection. They're slotted everybody to the left except for the right tackle, Jack Driscoll, again, a rookie, and the running back, and they get confused a bit. And what happens is Kerrigan, the defensive end, who is normally the tackle's responsibility in this three-jet protection when you're sliding to the strength, he cuts inside, and then they bring the safety to the outside. Mm -hmm. And so he sort of bites on that blitz, slides to the outside. Because he's trying to block the outside guy. The running back is supposed to scan A gap, B gap, C gap. But he sees the blitz come. So he slides out as well. And that gives Ryan Kerrigan a free shot at Carson Wentz. Right. That's one of the easier things, I think, to clean up. You know, you clean up some of the mental mistakes. But that it's sort of the physical stuff when you got guys losing one-on-one matchups. That's not going to get any easier because world destroyer of note Aaron Donald comes to town this week. <laughs> But that stuff can get cleaned up. It will probably help to get Lane Johnson back. And so those things can get fixed. It's the third situation that I think at this point, we're just going to have to live with as either Eagles fans or Wentz fans and hope that the first two situations iron themselves out to a point where the third isn't as pronounced as we saw on Sunday. And you have to hope that this was just another game of Carson Wentz pressing. And he had a few of those last year. And yep. he was always able to bounce back. He had a few of those the year before, and he was able to bounce back. And typically, he has done that over the years. So you hope it's more than the, of of that, right. because then you're only getting those, you know, every once in a while. Like for instance, John Clark of uh, of NBCS put this out. Uh, Carson Wentz, after six other games where he threw two or more interceptions, the next game he rebounded well and cleaned up mistakes. In those games, he's thrown eight touchdowns, three interceptions, completed sixty six point four percent of his passes, two hundred fifty eight yards a game and a 90.4 quarterback rating. So that's 
that's on the positive side. That's looking at the good stuff. I want to I want to focus on one more good thing. We have we have beat Wentz up enough. I don't want to make it seem like I'm making excuses or blah 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 blah. But like there were good takeaways in this game. There was a reason that the Eagles were up seventeen nothing before it all fell, fell apart. And I saw you discussing this uh this on the on the timeline. Nate Tice, yeah. Yep. The first quarter, there is uh five oh five left to go. It's third and twenty two. This was a special play from uh, from Car- Carson Wentz. You want to talk about his eye manipulation on this 55-yard connection to Jalen Rager? Look, these are the special moments when you can, if everything else is going okay, you can live with Carson Wentz playing the way he does because this is a third and long situation. This is a throw that, look, not too many quarterbacks can make because they get what looks to be cover four in the secondary. And it's a situation where you've got three by one to the left, and Wentz is just staring to that side of the field, just staring at it the entire drop. And you're thinking, if you're the sort of backside safety there, when you see that third receiver, the innermost receiver, sort of check up in front of you on a deeper curl, that that's probably where he's going to go with the football. So you play it a little flat-footed. You get caught. Wentz even throws a pump fake that way. But then at the absolute last second, he flips his eyes and flips his feet, perhaps most importantly, to the right and drops in an absolute dime to Jalen Rager on that 55-yard post route, which was a huge gain. You can't teach stuff like that. Like, that's advanced quarterback stuff. And if you think back to once when he was coming out of North Dakota State, the deep ball was his biggest question mark, perhaps more than anything else, perhaps more than even the level of competition. That was perfect. And he had some other, look, again, it seems like we're dumping on Wentz because that's what we do. It's overreaction week one. I mean, we Mm -hmm. all lose our minds. We've been building stuff up for a draft and a spring and a summer. Now we get games and now we're all collectively losing our minds. He had some great throws in this game. There was a band aid post route he threw, two second and 10, 921 of the second quarter to Hightower. It's an absolute dart. It puts it between his eyes and it's dropped. He was pressured on nine passing attempts from my charting, five of nine on those for an EPA of 0.13. That's not too bad when you're pressured. I mean, yes, there are things that they can clean up. There were some mistakes, but that throw to Rager, that dart to Hightower, that's pretty good stuff too. And you're taking out the sacks from those pressured numbers, right? From the right. dropbacks, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 There there were a couple that, that they got there within less than 2.5 seconds. So, I yeah. mean, a lot. I think, I think the reason that I'm so worried, Mark, there's multiple things to clean up. There's yeah. Carson Wentz, his inaccuracy, some decision making. I think the stuff where him, quote unquote, holding on to the ball too long gets cleaned up or doesn't look as drastic as it does if the offensive line comes on. If they get Lane Johnson back, if they get more stability, if they get used to each other along that offensive line, you know, if we get something a little bit better out of Jason Peters against Chase Young, which is a tough draw uh, for, for the old guy. But then also just the offensive scheme, like, the offensive think tank in Philadelphia took the whole offseason and said, and we're saying all these 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 nice things about what they were going to be. And I understand there are limitations as far as rolling your quarterback out against a Chase Young, against a disciplined defender like a like a Ryan Kerrigan and whatnot. But at some point, when your best option is to put him under center, turn his back to a rush that is absolutely one hundred percent coming from him, and then expect him to get his eyes around, find a target with guys right in his face. I don't understand, and Doug gave this answer at a presser. They talked about it on BGN Radio, but saying that we were bad on first down, so we couldn't roll him out on second down. Roll him out on first down, baby. Like, there was only one design rollout in this game. Wentz is fantastic on the move, and I really think they didn't help him out there. So, offensive line, offensive scheme, Carson Wentz, all three bad. All three deserve some blame. That's why I'm worried. I wish it was just one thing, you know? Right. 
it's not just one thing. And, you know, that, that answer from Peterson, I thought, was deserved a bit of an eye roll. Well, he did, the, he did the whole mansplaining thing on the front end going, you know, I wish I could sit down and show you the film and blah, 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 blah. Like, we're not idiots, man. You can, you can, you can talk to us, Doug. Come yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it was a bit of a ridiculous response. And I, I think the thought that they had didn't have success on first down, so they couldn't do it on second down. Why didn't you have this in the game plan? Right. Period. I mean, anybody can look at ourlads.com <laughs> and see that they have five former first round picks up front and Matt Ioannidis. And you might think, you know what? We might want to vary the launch point a little bit right. by design. Yeah. Not even not even a rollout because they do this with McVay. I when I when it charted McVay's dropbacks with with Jared Goff, it's not all rollouts, but you get him to different points in the pocket yep. at different depths, right? Sometimes it's just a half roll off of a play action. Yes. And if you're Chase Young and your aim and spot is eight yards behind the center, and suddenly you get there and he's not there by design, that's gonna put something in the back of your mind. Now you're thinking. I can't just beat my guy in front of me. I have to figure out where the quarterback's going to be. I mean, look, think back to the first Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. Len Dawson, <laughs> back in Super Bowl Four. one of the things they did in that game to negate the pass rush they were facing was the moving pocket. They moved Len Dawson around. I mean, this isn't new. This isn't some revolutionary thought. It dates back to the dawn of the Super Bowl era. If you've got a quarterback that you think is going to get pressure by the guys on the other side, you change the launch point by design. It doesn't have to be drastic. We're not talking about sprint right option all the time. Right. Just a half waggle, just a little something to get him to a different launching point so the defensive line has a different aiming spot and they have to adjust what they're doing. And that's going to make everybody's job easier, which is your job as a coach. I'm going to shut up now because my heart's beating out of my chest. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to chart the launch points for once in this game and I'm going to chart the launch points for once in the second week, and we're going to see if there's any difference from this coaching staff in letting the Bronco buck, getting him on the move. And like like Mark said, you can move the puck a little bit. You could do a half roll. It doesn't have to be so drastic, but Carson Wentz is so good on the move. I don't see how they don't want to get him comfortable in those situations. All right, when we come back here on the QB Factory, we're going to talk about the upcoming enemy opponent. We already kind of talked about him a little bit, but Jared Goff, Sean McVay, we'll preview it coming up next here on the QB Factory. And we are back here on the QB Factory, episode 10, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Mark Schofield, quarterback one in our hearts and our minds. So we did our Carson Wentz performance review. Now, as we do every week during the regular season, we are going to preview the upcoming enemy opponent for the Eagles. This time it is the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay and Jared Goff. Not a big fan of Jared Goff. But look, I mean, they got the W against Dallas last week, so I can't really be mad at them. You know, as we talk about like what this offense looks like, I think there's a few things to go through. The first thing that I noticed when I watched this game and that I went to the uh, the next gen stats chart of where these balls for Goff were going, they didn't make Goff think or do anything like he could just sit there and deliver to the perimeter because as I'm looking at this chart there are three completions beyond eight yards as far as air yards go there are four incompletions one of them is an interception there's only one throw over 20 yards down the left sideline everything is on the outside like right around the line of scrimmage or within five yards of the line of scrimmage 
And, and look, 20 for 31, 275 yards. So a decently efficient day for Jared Goff that didn't have to do a whole lot. Am I, am I seeing this correctly? Is that the same thing you saw when you watched this game against Dallas? Yeah. I mean, and one of the things that we've seen from Sean McVay during his time in LA with Jared Goff is how much he does to help Jared Goff. I mean, from the play calling in the headset, having him get to the line of scrimmage early so he can continue to give him advice to designed reads and throws and what you were just outlining and giving him some easier stuff to hit. That's what he's done for his young quarterback. And it's good because it leads to games like this. It's bad and it perhaps stunts his growth in a sense because then you see what happens in a Super Bowl against New England when, you know, they had two play calls in the huddle. They would adjust after that play clock got to the point where McVay can't be in his ear. And we also saw during that run to the Super Bowl, when everybody was gassing up Sean McVay and saying that he was brilliant in this offensive mind, and I was as guilty of it as everybody else, but people were falling for the parlor tricks. The I can name every defender on the Chicago Bears starting lineup, and you know I could remember a drive that I had in Washington. He was insistent on using that jet motion, right? Mm-hmm. That pre-snap jet motion, and it was just eye candy, and it was just cheese, and defense after defense was falling for it, and overreacted to it. And then Matt Patricia, he ignores it. Fangio and the Bears ignore it. The Eagles ignored it when they played in the regular season. And then obviously Bill Belichick, they would just ignore it, say, do it. It's no, it's nothing. It's eye candy. It's a distraction. We're going to play quarters. McVeigh, open and drive. What does he do? Two of his scripted plays had jet motion. Yep. One of them was a back a throwback screen to the jet motion man. That he uses a jet sweep to the motion man. He is insisting right now that we pay attention to that motion man. Yep. All so he can get back to where he was back in 2018. So as I'm as I'm looking at this and, and this the scheme part for for the Rams, I just want to dial back on on Goff for a second for something because I, I I noticed this when I was when I was making my notes and watching the film. So remember I said like the the Carson Wentz holds on to the ball too long. Narrative is a little bit overblown. Like last year, Jared Goff had a had a longer time to throw than Carson Wentz, and when you look at the difference between when he throws it within 2.5 seconds to over 2.5 seconds. It's a quarterback rating difference of 23 points for Jared Goff when he has to hold it for more than 2.5 seconds. So for the Eagles, the key is going to be you have to find a way to take away that first read to make sure that that next-gen stats chart of his passes all are within five yards of the line of scrimmage on the perimeter. Now, does that sound like a Jim Schwartz defense that would take that away? Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a stretch. But I mean, look, yeah. Jim Schwartz had one of his masterpiece game plans, one of his best game plans that I've seen from him back in 2018 against the Rams. They got the W there with Nick Foles at quarterback. It's weird with Schwartz, man. He's going to frustrate you for five or six weeks, and he's going to come out with a gem. So I'm really interested to see in this mental battle with the Rams if they're able to take away that quick stuff. Would you agree that that's like a main thing? Because what you want to do with golf is make him move just slightly off the point as he's going to his second and third reads, right? I think you want to make him move. You want to make him get to that second or third read. You want to make him think. Yeah. Like you want to make Jared Goff's brain be the most important muscle on the field on Sunday. Right. Because if he can just take the snap and go to where he's expected to go before the ball is given to him, they're going to beat you. Like because now you're you're playing Sean McVay's game. You're playing on his playing field. 
if you can force Goff to come off that first read, whether it's a, a slant or an out or whatever, then you're making this guy beat you. And it gets to the point we made earlier about when Jared Goff has to do things on his own, he struggles because perhaps Sean McVay has stunted his development. And it's sort of similar in the sense to all the Mitchell Trubisky stuff we've talked about because he can't think. I mean, I remember last year when we were talking about Trubisky and I talked about a, a James Stravitas, Admiral James Stravitas, and he talked about – he wrote a book about the history of admirals and how he believes that we've stunted the growth of young admirals because in today's age, you can literally just in the blink of an eye communicate with home. You know, If you're out on some remote river halfway across the world and you don't know what to do, you can send a text and within seconds, you know what to do. You don't have to think on your own. And so when they're forced to think on their own, if they ever get into that situation, they can't do it. It's the same with golf. It's the same with young quarterbacks. We want them to see the field early. So we hand their, hold their hands to get them on the field early to maximize that young rookie quarterback contract. But then when they're forced to think on their own, they can't do that. If Schwartz can mix up some coverages, sometimes play maybe a little bit of man, which McVay might want you to do with all this motion stuff. But yeah, you might have to do it to take away that first read that's going to go a long way to win in this game. Yeah, I think the interesting part is, you know, Schwartz mixed up his game plan to take away those those 12-yard breaking routes from the Rams back in 2018, played a lot of quarters coverage, had a lot of depth on it, which actually like played into Schwartz's favor. Now he might have to come up a little bit. And you mentioned the motion before, the Rams used motion, second highest rate in the league in week one. And uh, one thing that Jimmy Kemsky mentioned on BGN Radio, I thought it was funny. He goes, you know, people are going to talk about his genius, how like McVay comes out and everything looks the same now. And you get, you know, he's got four different plays off of it. Like this, this isn't a new concept. Like I remember when I was, I was playing, you know, in a Madden online league about eight years ago, I had my, uh, my custom audibles built. And in every formation, I had four plays, two passes, a specialty play like a screen and then a run. You come out, everything looks the same. You look at the look, you change the audible. Like this is stuff. I, I swear, Madden players are are ahead of their time, and I'm not just talking about me, but just in general, especially with time management and everything like that. But the people are going to be freaking out about this. But do you see that with the McVay, with the uh, McVeigh offense? Is he trying to make everything look the same, like a Jerry Rice route that he could break off and whatnot? You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's how you put together a creative game script and game plan. Because if everything looks like outside zone, and just put yourself with the mind frame of the free safety. If everything looks like outside zone to your right, and then you see boot action off of that and a crossing route in front of you. Okay, you've seen outside zone. You've seen the crossing route. You're going to jump that crossing route. What do you think is coming? Hmm. That post route over, over the, the top. top of your head, yeah. right? <laughs> like, and, you, and you're right. The Madden generation is going to, and we're seeing it now, save the game of football. <laughs> I'm sure you see it with your son. I see it with mine. Yeah. Owen was playing Madden last night. He had picked it up for the first time in a while. And he's carving up a Patriots defense. He's running like three plays out of the same formation. Yeah. He's going forward on every single fourth down. Love it. He's, he's taking timeouts early in the second quarter to convert, conserve time. Yeah. He's going for two all the time. Like the next generation <laughs> is going to be so much fun to watch when they like start becoming head coaches. And we're seeing some of that with McVay. Like you said, you, you make everything look the same. And then you throw in a wrinkle off of it. And then you throw in one more wrinkle off of it. I remember during the whole 
you know, gassing up McVeigh phase of 2018, write a piece about their game against the Lions. Yeah. And how he had a drive where he threw three different plays out of the same basic look at that Lions defense. And it was just almost awe-inspiring because it's like, how do you defend this? Yeah. You think you know what they're doing and they want you to think that. So yeah, it's exactly right. It makes it incredibly hard to key against. I do want to give McVeigh credit because not every coach does this. You look at Jason Garrett and the New York Giants and they come out in 13 personnel and you're like, oh, they're running stretch. And then they run stretch yeah. and then they get stuffed. And then they come out and they do it again and they get stuffed. And they come out and they do it again and they get stuffed. So some coaches just built a little bit differently uh, and uh, and able to evolve a little bit. I am very interested to watch the Rams this year to see how their offense can evolve after becoming a little stagnant over the last uh, uh, couple of years. So this is an important stretch for them. Mark, I think we did it. I think we previewed uh, Jared Goff and the uh, and the Rams offense, and uh, we did a performance review of Carson Wentz. Anything to add for the gentle listeners before we get out of here? No, I mean, I, th- I just think the most important thing to remember is it's called overreaction Monday for a reason. It's just week one. We have crowned a lot of Super Bowl champions <laughs> in week one of teams that did not make the playoffs. Now, there is one thing to remember. Historically speaking, Teams that start 0-2, it's like 9% of the time. It's actually 11% of the time right now in terms of making the playoffs. And I think that changed – didn't that change a little bit? If you add the the new playoff structure, the 14-playoff structure. Right. Justice was scared to like tweak the chart a bit. It's like a tick. It goes from like 9% yeah. to 11%. Like yeah. So the Eagles can't be 0-2 coming into this weekend, coming yeah. out of this. I mean, it, you, you don't want to be 0-2 if you're Philadelphia because you've got some tough games coming up too. And so, look, it, it's, it's an important one. It's not a must win, but it's it's – You'd kind of like to win this one. You kind of got to have it. You kind of got to have it. So, yeah, it's it's an important one. But look, Wentz was up and down. We don't want to sound like we're totally dumping on the guy. He did his things. If you clean up the other laundry list of items that you need to clean up, you'll be okay. So that is going to do it for the QB Factory, Episode 10. Make sure you're subscribed to BGN, leaving five stars, leaving written reviews. Shout out to the gentle listeners, man. Over 1,500 five-star reviews. We finally hit over that mark. That's amazing. Over 600,000 downloads in the last 30 days. You guys are absolutely crushing it, even with no preseason games. Like, that's that's freaking wild. So we appreciate the support. Make sure you're also supporting the SB Nation NFL show. Going to, going to listen to that. Yeah. I got a couple shows on there. One with Kyle Posey where we break down some – well, we tried to break down some film, but you heard what happened with that. We had a good show anyway. And then Monday, Football Monday, I'm on there with RJ Ochoa and Pete Sweeney. It's a romping good time, so go check that out. Put an SB Nation NFL show into any podcast app. That'll pop right up for you. And uh, get your boy over there. Listen to him. And remember, as always, go dominate and have yourselves a day. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today